1: Hi, I'm Dom Alessio, and this is Other Side of the Tracks. Each episode, we feature a new release and talk to the artist about the inspiration, meaning, and stories behind each song. In this episode, ARIA Hall of Famer Casey Chambers rewinds the clock back 20 years and takes us through the recording of her debut album, The Captain. Casey got her first taste of country music stardom as a member of the ARIA award winning Dead Ringer Band, which she was in with her parents and her brother. After going solo for the first time on The Captain, Casey released a further 11 albums, each one cementing her place on the global country artist stage and earning her a cabinet full of awards. And now, here's The Captain, as told to you by Casey Chambers.
2: Well,
3: I think if I could take the listener to any place in the world and play the Captain album, I guess I'd have to pick where we recorded it. You know, to sit in that homestead, it'd be different if it was in a studio, but this place that we recorded the Captain album on Norfolk Island, it was an old homestead. Um, A lot of people say it's haunted. Um, I didn't really experience any sort of haunting while I was there, you know. Some haunting sounds maybe on a few songs. But that was such a special place to me even before we recorded the record, you know. So there's a lot of Norfolk Island in that album.
2: Mm, But I'm not stupid
3: If you'd asked me this question uh, before we recorded the album and I got to play some songs maybe to people um, from the Captain album, I think I'd take everyone back to Africa because that is somewhere that inspired a lot of these songs off the Captain album as well. And that surprised me too. I didn't think I was going to go to Africa and be really connected to that place. Uh, like I am with the Australian Outback, but that is how it feels for me and it still feels like that and it's still why I keep going back to visit and it's inspired other records as well in my life. I think it surprised me that first time. I just thought it was going to be one of those bucket list places, ticked it off and off we go. Let's go to other countries now. But, uh, you know, it was just one of those places that stayed in my heart and soul and musically inspired me a lot and personally inspired me a lot. So maybe I would – Look, we can listen to half the record on Norfolk and then we'll go to Africa and, and listen to the other half over there.
2: You want to come? <laughs> well, I never left through the Great Depression Try Like A Baby
3: was always that song for me. The moment that I wrote that song, I knew that I wanted that to be the first single off my debut record. I just knew it and it wasn't anything to do with, oh, that was more commercial than something else or whatever. To be honest, I didn't even really know about that kind of stuff back then. So I didn't... um, I didn't think about those things and even if someone had asked me, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what was good for radio or what wasn't or whatever. None of that stuff really meant anything to me and I just didn't know, you know. I hadn't really grown up in the music industry so I didn't really know about all that sort of thing. But I had said, you know, cry like a baby is the is the first thing I it's the first thing I want to say musically, like sound-wise. You know, it wasn't even particularly about lyrics. It wasn't like, oh, I've got this this specific thing to say. It was more about a sound and who I who I was as an artist. Um, God knows who that was, actually. <laughs> but anyway, so I had said, right, this is the first single. So we bring out the first single off the Captain Down before the album even comes out. So this is literally the first thing people are ever hearing from me as under my own name outside of the Dead Ringer Band. We bring out the single and I'm stoked, you know, I'm just like, wow, we have got, I've got a single out and that's that's me on the cover and all that. We make a video, all of those things. Anyway, the song's out and then I get my first ever review, right? I've never had a review before. I don't think I even knew what a review was before this. Um, but I get my first ever review from a Brisbane street press mag and um, this this review, I hung it up uh, in, my, um, in my house in, in, um, on the Central Coast It's the first time I've ever really seen something, you know, like written about me as a solo artist. And it said for Cry Like a Baby, first single for Casey Chambers, and you thought Shania Twain was bad. This song will leave you standing in the corner saying, make it stop, please make it stop as the men in white coats come to cart you away. So this is what my first ever review of my first ever solo song comes out. And the thing is, I remember at the time the record label trying to keep this review away from me because I thought I'd I'd be devastated or whatever. I was just stoked that someone was writing my name in a paper. I thought, oh, well, I don't know. It's all right. It's not that great. But I'm still going to frame it and hang it up. So I did. And I mean, look, to be honest, now uh, and for the last sort of 10, 12 years or whatever, I don't read anything. I don't watch anything back. I don't do anything like that.
2: Well, I don't have as many friends Because I'm not as pretty as I was I've kicked myself at times Because I am mine So I will The
3: main song that people ask for in I'm my gigs, they I always have, around. you know, for the last 20 years, is The Captain. Without a doubt, that is my most requested song. And you'll be So I think there must have been something about that first album and particularly the song, The Captain, that really struck a chord with people. And it certainly did with me, and maybe that's why, you know, because it's really, really special to me. I think of all of the songs I've ever written in my life, The Captain is my favourite, without a doubt. I would never, ever play a gig without playing The Captain. Just, I couldn't even imagine it. I, um... Even when I bring out a brand new album and I do like an album launch where you're meant to play all your new songs, I still play The Captain. (laughs) It would be so weird if I went out there and just didn't play The Captain and it's just such a big part of who I am. The album, The Captain, was very much inspired by three different places in my life. So uh, being my first solo record that I'd I'd ever made, you know, I'd built up quite a lot of songs over even just my teenage years of first starting to write songs on my own and think about writing songs. I'd started to really discover um, actual songwriters and, and and. you know, be really influenced and inspired by them. And then so it made me sort of try out different things with songwriting. Before that, I'd only really written songs with my dad and my brother um, in our family band. So it was kind of a different sort of headspace, I guess, a different dynamic when you're writing. And I started doing all this songwriting on my own. And I'd spent most of my life living like, living in the outback of Australia and in rural areas. You know, I traveled a lot my whole, my whole life. My, my dad was actually a, um, professional fox hunter when I was a kid. So it was sort of this weird, random, um, lifestyle that I was thrown into really early on from when I was three weeks old, actually was when my parents first took me to the outback. And, um, my brother was three years older than me, and we we basically grew up half of our lives living in the outback, living around a campfire, living off the land, totally like my dad would hunt all of our food for us to eat and everything, and that, and we would sit around the campfire and we would play music together and we, you know, very isolated while we were out there, sometimes not seeing people for a really long time or not seeing any sort of civilization. So we, music became just such a big part of our lives out there. And then the other half of my childhood was spent in a little town called Southend, which is a little fishing village of about 200 people right down the southeast of South Australia. And um, this is my dad's hometown, and a lot of his family still live down there. I think um, there's about 200 people living there, and about 190 of them have the last name Chambers. So you know, we we know the town pretty well, um, and it's beautiful because it's still just the same. It's so lovely, and a lot of my life, with my early childhood, was spent down there as well. So they all um, well, these few different places throughout Australia um, had inspired. A lot of the songs that I'd started writing. And then um, I also took my first ever trip to Africa. So my mum and I um, went to Africa for about just over six weeks, traveling through about seven different countries. And it was really just meant to be this um, tick off the bucket list kind of um, trip and thought, okay, we want to go to Africa one day and then, you know, we'll probably never go there again. And we. Absolutely fell in love with the place. I felt this real connection to Africa, like no place that I'd ever been. All all the different countries that we went to, particularly a few, but um, yeah, we we just absolutely loved it. And then um, you know, now uh, you know, I I spend a a bit of time over there um, on a regular basis now. Years later. Uh, traveling, uh, mostly working in a little school in Zambia that I, I am the ambassador for, but also just traveling, you know, different places through Africa because I just love it and I find it just the most inspiring place. And I had just written the song, The Captain, just before my first trip there. And um, I took a guitar with me and we did this um, safari trip um, through all these different countries. And I... I, uh, no one else on the, on the trip, um, played music. So I kind of became the entertainment every night, bring <laughs> out the guitar and we'd all sit around a campfire, you know, um, which felt fairly well at home to me, you know, to sit around a campfire. The only difference was there was a, you know, a giraffe or a zebra wandering by instead of a kangaroo or a fox, you know, uh, and we would sit around and we would play, um, we would sing the captain a lot. And the, and the, um, the whole group would sing the captain with me. I taught them the song and it became sort of our theme song. The guy who drove our um, safari truck for the whole time had a birthday while we were there. So about halfway through the trip, um, he had a birthday and, you know, we're not really staying in places where it's easy enough to pop in and grab someone a present. So I um, spent the day writing a song for him and then sat around the um, the campfire that night and played him his happy birthday song. And his name was Bill Bayless and so the song became Mr Bayless.
2: So you just drive, Mr Bayless, Don't you worry about the weather. I asked the rain to fall off, and so far it looks just fine.
3: I didn't think for a minute that that song... Uh, would ever make it onto a record or anything like that. It it had served its purpose. It was a present for this guy. And then I remember I played it to my brother, Nash, who ended up um, producing the Captain album and a lot of my records. Um, When I got home from that Africa trip and he was like, oh, that's my favourite one. You've got to put that on the Captain album, you know. So it sort of, it started out as being this simple little story and present for this guy. And then now is still one of my most requested songs. (laughs) So a lot of Africa um, had inspired uh, the Captain album as well and it was a bit of a turning point in my life because I had been in the Dead Ringer band, my family band, for most of my teen years really and we'd travelled all around Australia playing music together and then my mum and dad actually ended up getting a divorce uh, just before that trip to, to Africa, which is part of the reason that my mum and I went off to have this adventure, you know, and, and my mum was in this place where she wanted to travel the world and do something different, you know, and, um, but it ended the band. It ended our band, obviously, for us all to travel together. So, I had this time in Africa. My mum had all this stuff going on, obviously, in her life. And, um, and I think in a lot of ways, it made my mum and I a lot closer. But I had also realised during that trip that when I got home, I had to kind of make a big life choice, you know, where we didn't have this band anymore, this comfort zone that I had been in for a long time. And I didn't know what direction I wanted to go in my life. I, I really didn't. I didn't. I'd never grown up. I think a lot of people who are musicians and artists and that talk about how they knew forever that all they ever wanted to do was to be a singer and you know, to be on stage and and all of that. I didn't really have that. I mean, I enjoyed it, and I loved it, and I knew I would always do it. But I don't think I ever thought of it as a career. You know, I didn't really think. I just kind of thought, well, I play country music. No one's really ever going to want to hear (laughs) that. So I was like, well, you know, and then I was in Africa and I really just had this kind of life-changing time where I was like, when you get home, this is it. You need to set your path. Do you go and get a day job and do you, you know, go study and and do all of these things or, or do you make this solo record that you've had in the back of your mind for a little while? Um, and to be honest, I don't really have any other skills. So I just, I was like, uh, okay, that day job, I'm not even sure what job I'd be able to do. So I came home and I just went, all right, I'm going to make the Captain album. And I knew that that's what it was called long before I ever made it, even before I had all the songs written. Because I also wrote uh, Don't Talk Back in Africa as well. That was one of the songs that I'd written along the way and came back and that made it onto the, the Captain album as well. But again, I didn't know at the time that I was writing these songs for this particular record. It was just, I don't know, they just they chose it themselves, I think, a lot of these songs.
2: Well, So
3: came home and um, I had been living half the time on Norfolk Island um, as well as living in Australia and travelling back and forth to, to tour. Uh, we'd, um, we'd been to Norfolk Island the first time for a country music festival with uh, the Dead Ringer Band and we just fell in love with the place and felt very connected to the people and um very much like like it was our second home and our our second family that we lived with out there and one of the people in the in the family that we lived out with out there was the captain <laughs> so he was um he was obviously already a big part of the record you know and a lot of these songs had been inspired by by Norfolk Island as well. These pines I wrote um, when I was in, I was actually on tour in um, Western Australia. We were playing in Esperance um, and I remember sitting in um, the, we were staying in this hotel room, um, uh, you know, pretty like down home kind of kind of vibes. Not the nice places we get to stay in now, that's for sure. <laughs> um but I remember sitting in this room, but it was um just across the road from all of these Norfolk pines that were along that run along the coast there. And I remember looking out at them and really missing Norfolk. Just fe- feeling like um even though I love Esperance, it's such a great place. <laughs> I think of that now actually when I go there. And um I think why did I ever wish I was somewhere else when I? Because it's a really beautiful town, and we have great gigs there. Um, but we, um, I was sitting there and I was just looking out at these these pines, and I wrote these pines. <laughs> so that song just sort of fell out and was very much inspired by
2: missing Norfolk Island. Oh, these pines are not the ones that I'm used to. They won't carry. Oh when I cry Am I too far gone to recover? Or can I return if I try? Should I try?
3: Same day um in Esperance WA and I also wrote This Flower, which is about a lady who lived on Norfolk Island um, and unfortunately um, had passed away before I ever went to Norfolk for the first time. Uh, and she was a big part of the family that I lived with over there after that. And I never got to meet her, unfortunately, but I heard a lot of beautiful stories about her and her family would share all these stories with my mum and I all the time. And, you know, we felt like that was a really special thing and a special bond that we had with this beautiful family and, and that they would share all these incredible stories about this beautiful woman. And, you you know, she became kind of um, special to us as well, even though she was someone that we had never met. So this flower is a song that I wrote for her as a thank you um, for sharing her beautiful family with me.
2: Well, this flower is my soul. But it's not half of what I owe. I should give you- I think because a lot of the songs had been inspired by Norfolk Island and I had been living there on and off over that time, you know, it I need
3: because of you. I think because a lot of the songs had been inspired by Norfolk Island and I had been living there on and off over that time, you know it felt like the most natural place for me to make the record, which sounds a little bit weird now because, um, I can't believe that I actually went to the record label and when they said, oh, so where, where would you like to record? Do you have some ideas? I'm like, oh no, I really want to record the album on Norfolk Island. They must've just gone, why? (laughs) You know, like it's such a strange place to make a record and there was no recording studio out there. Like no one had ever made a record out there. There was no recording equipment or anything. And this is 20 years ago. So it's not as easy as grabbing a laptop and taking it into someone's lounge room and making a record. You couldn't do that back then. We certainly didn't know how to do I barely even, I can't do that now. (laughs) You know, I don't even own a laptop now. So, I, looking back now, it was a massive leap of faith for Tony Harlow, who had signed me at the time to EMI Records, for them to go, yep, okay, sure, what do you want to do? Let's make this happen, you know. This is my debut album. They uh, they had no reason to believe that I had any idea what I was doing, which I didn't. I wasn't even pretending I had any idea what I was doing. But they just, you know, there was such a beautiful connection Um between uh, EMI Records and myself, back then it was it was just this uh, this beautiful relationship that was just starting and felt so right, at, you know, at the time. And still thinking back, feels so right to me now that that is exactly where I was supposed to be, and they were the people that I was supposed to work with. And you know, a lot of these people that I work with back then are still beautiful friends of mine that I'm close to and, and work with and, you know, talk to every day, you know. So it's a, it's a really lovely thing to have had that connection really early on with the first time you were signed to a major label for your de- debut album, you know. Um, I consider myself very, very lucky to have fallen into that and to have met someone like Tony Harlow, for him to just go, yep, yeah, all right, let's make this Norfolk Island thing happen. So we um basically packed up this studio that that my brother had kind of started to to make um of his own. Uh, and and we flew all the gear out to Norfolk Island, and that's a lot of gear. <laughs> um we set up in this old homestead that um this family who who we live with um had at the time and we made the Captain album. We, I, I flew out my dad, who played a lot on the record, uh, Jeff McCormack, who was the um, bass player on the album and the engineer at the time as well, and BJ Barker, the drummer, um, and he'd played with the Dead Ringer Band a lot as well over the years. And... Then my brother as well, Nash, and we basically made just went in and played this record, you know, a lot of it live, you know. We did a few overdubs when we got home as well and then there was a few um, beautiful special guests like Buddy Miller and Julie Miller that ended up putting some stuff on in Nashville and that we we were lucky enough to have. But the real essence of this record for me was definitely from being out there on Norfolk Island and and that – you know, that being that place that just inspired me so much at that point in my life. I
2: grew up a long way from here I slept with the lights on for 15 years And Sabbath kept me home on Friday That he sang me Rogers just to make everything all right. Probably one of the biggest comments
3: that I've had in my whole career, the most on frequent the one, is people say to me, I don't really like country music, but I like your music, you know? And that used to really confuse me because I used to just think of myself as a country singer. I mean, you know, I, I play a few different styles on and off, but basically, my voice is country. I am a country singer. I'm proud to be a country singer. I grew up on country music, you know. But a lot of people say, oh, I don't really like country music, but I do like your music. And I figured out, I reckon later, like uh, over all these years, I've realised that I don't really think people care about genres of music as much as they think they do. I think if they feel that someone is being authentic and someone is doing something that's true to them, It's just going to connect, you know. There's a power in that. There's a power in being true to yourself and and being authentic when you're doing something creative. It's very, very powerful and it can go out to a lot of people that you don't even know that you're doing. You can affect a lot of people with that power Um, and it's it's fairly simple. You know, I think when I really analyse it, it actually just comes back to being really simple.
2: I like that. If I could do it all again, if I wouldn't change a thing. I'd have you back the way I had you then. One thing that I know this time I would This one random little go. song on
3: the Captain Album that I actually don't have any story for. I don't even remember writing it. So the hard way. I, the I, I ever, promise you every single song at some stage in my life, somebody has requested Except that song. No one has ever mentioned that song and I, ver- I don't think I've played it live for probably 20 years. And it is – it's not that I don't like it. It's just that it doesn't – I don't know. It's just a song that sits on a record for me. I, and and I don't, I don't know that it would bother me that – I hate saying this, but I don't know that it would bother me if it wasn't on the record. I don't know that it would bother anyone. <laughs> no one ever asked for it. It's just like – I don't know. It's just one of those kind of neutral songs. The funny thing is – they chose that song and they played it on Lost, you know, Lost that show. And I was a massive fan of that um, uh, that show. And I remember when that song came up in the show because I'd already been watching it. And then it was like later on in the show that they play it, and it comes on the radio of uh, you know they're sitting in a car or something. And it comes on the radio. It's one of the memory parts of the show or something. And I remember just going oh, okay, maybe it's not that bad after all. Maybe it does have a little place in the world. Somebody must have heard it and thought that it belonged somewhere. And I thought, all right, there it is. It belongs somewhere. It belongs in Lost. And I'm like, cool, now send me my royalty check. (laughs) It's got to get me something. (laughs)
2: Swallowed up the years. I don't see that little baby no more. Hey, girl, for the record, I guess I didn't expect to see an angel at my door.
3: We had a song that we recorded around that same time called "Hey Girl," and that was that didn't make the record because that wasn't ever meant to make the record. We recorded it then. Um, but it was a song that I'd written for my cousin, Lara, and she was about 10 years younger than me. She's all grown up now, but she was just a little kid at the time, but growing so fast, and I wrote this song for her. I remember her actually being really sad at the time about something that was going on, and just little kids sad is the saddest thing in the world. And so I sat down and I wrote this song for her and played that song at, um, well, I actually recorded the song in that batch of songs so that I could give it to her and she could have a copy of the song to listen to, probably on cassette tape back then. (laughs) And it had already served its purpose. It didn't really need to make the record, you know. It was her song and I, I don't think we even really thought about it going on there. And then 20 years later my brother finds this song in the archives and sends it to me and is like you know have a listen to this can you believe it do you remember this song you know and i fell in love with it again cuz it just it just felt really special to me because i knew it was special to her and you know, um, I had put so much love into it for her. And so I, I don't know, I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, I kind of do want to share this little moment. It was a really special moment for Lara and I, and I do want to share this with people, yeah. So it's really nice to be at that point and be able to share something from around that time that meant just as much to me as every other song on the record. But it also showed it wasn't really about what people thought of it or how well it was going to go or if it was going to be a single or anything like that, that's not really why, well, I was going to say, that's not really why we made records back then. It's still not why I make records,
2: you know. I don't want it to ever
3: be why I make records.
2: And hey, girl, you're growing so fast. Today the years don't seem to last. And hey, girl, you got to understand, you got it all right. Here in the palm of your hand
1: The Captain 20th Anniversary Deluxe Edition is out now. For more, head to to caseychambers.com
2: Hey girl, when I look at you I can see myself in you Ten years ago
1: Other Side of the Tracks is produced in Sydney, Australia by U Music Media House, a subsidiary of Universal Music Australia. This episode was recorded and edited by the team at Forbes Street Studios in Woolloomooloo. For more, visit othersideofthetrackspod.com.